You are listening to The Building Code, a podcast by Builder Trend, where we talk all things technology and construction. Be sure to stick around to the end of the episode where you can find out how to be a part of The Building Code crew. Let's get it. All right, everybody. Welcome again to The Building Code. Today, we're continuing our regional series, taking a look back at COVID-19, talking to a handful of our clients and just wanted to hear their story uh, about the last 10 crazy months. Today, we have Josh from Cabin John Builders. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. You're out of Maryland. I'm seeing out your window right now. It's rainy. Uh, it's kind of the perfect January day. Yes, it is. So we're uh, right outside of Washington, D.C., um, which does add a little bit of complication both to what we do and our COVID experience. Oh, I bet. Because we work in Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. So instead of keeping track of one set of rules on any given day, we're keeping track of at least uh, three sets. Fun. Um, yeah, it's a good place to be. <laughs> that that is a unique challenge. Yeah. So you know, in so what would you say you guys work in terms of mileage? Like ten or fifteen miles around you in any given direction, and that's four different, three different yeah, states. Yeah. Typically, typically you are we're about probably fifteen miles away. Actually, if you could, if ever everyone could see the window you're looking out of right now, you can see Virginia from my desk, even though I'm sitting in Maryland. <laughs> Uh, and Washington, D.C. is about five or six miles uh, off to my right. So we're actually located um, sort of right where they all come together, wow. um, which is a fantastic opportunity for work, but, you know, leads to jurisdictional issues. Especially in the in the time of COVID. Um, so before we get into that, because obviously that's the focus of this episode in this series, uh, let's just hear about Cabin John Builders. I will say to start, um, thank you and the team, because you guys have, in about next month, You've been with us 10 years. So that's a huge, uh, a huge amount of time for our client base. We started slow. We, we've definitely ramped up over the last four or five years in terms of volume. But uh, our first few clients are still very near and dear to our heart because they took a chance on our technology when technology wasn't really the main thing to do. So I just want to say thank you uh, before you get started. Uh, I appreciate that. And it actually weaves a little bit uh, sort of interestingly into our story. Let's so uh, my brother, my brother and I are business partners. Uh, Cabin John Builders has existed uh, for about 11 years. Um, we were in the industry before working with uh, in a family business and decided to go out on our own for a couple of reasons. And one of them, as we started to have our own company, was realizing that we could dictate how things were going. And construction being an industry that is traditionally behind the times, especially on technology uh, especially on some business practices, because as you go down the food chain, you know, I remember numerous times buying fax machines for subcontractors back in the day or setting up Gmail addresses so, so they could interact with us online and not even understanding. Um, and we felt like having a open dialogue with our clients, which having an online project management system certainly uh, helps with. Um, as well as streamlining our overhead and the people we had working with would be part of sort of our approach of solid uh, custom building, which really is our focus, working with customers to match their lifestyle uh, into their home um, with a more modern approach to how we would run our office, trying to be paperless, trying to be efficient, trying to cut down on overhead. 
Um, and if we all do our math, this company was started during the, the downturn. Yeah, I remember that. And that, that again was, yeah, we, we, we all remember that. So that again was part of this uh, foundation plan and direction was how can we run efficiency, efficiently? How can we uh, deliver an experience to our clients that is more uh, keeping with the times and keeping with uh, the situation? Wow, that's a great story. I don't think people realize two things you said. Number one, you know, I think people totally realize like, hey, it used to be like fax and, and phone calls. Like people get that, right? Because 10 years ago, the uh, the smartphones didn't exist. Uh, and it was fax and email was not really used that much uh, in this industry. And I think everybody gets that. What people don't realize is there was a trend or, or there was a business practice for the majority construction kind of shutting the client out of like information. It was almost like, I don't want them to know anything because then they're going to kind of like hound me for information. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it's very fair to say. And uh, having worked with, uh, you know, a, a par parents who were in the industry forever, they talk about even a generation back where home, where home builders would hand back your deposit check if you wanted to change the swing of the door. Right. Or and, and this, again, part of why we wanted to do it our way is my father believes I'm the builder. You ask for the price of your project. I give you one number yep. on a contract. You say yes or no. Yep. And that doesn't make sense given today's marketplace, given the information asymmetry that is out there. You really need to adapt to today's consumer. And I think it is both for better and worse. I think there, there are certainly times where um, it can be time consuming. You can get caught up in silly little arguments. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I talk about, um, and it's one of the reasons also when we started, uh, we sort of expose our costs and our markup in every estimate. Mm -hmm. And people ask me why. And my first answer is the fear of our markup significantly outpaces our actual markup. Mm. You know, that everybody has this feeling of, you know, a builder's out there to rip them off or people have been taken advantage of or am I getting the truth? And people aren't afraid. They know they need to pay for our company and that we have insurance and that we have trucks and all of these things. And I think it does a lot to the relationship to open that up quickly and sort of say, hey, here's what it is. If you have a problem with what the foundation is going to cost, ask me why it's that expensive. If you have a problem with what we're going to cost, ask me about that and we'll discuss that instead of saying, okay, here you go, $970,000, yes or no. Take it or leave it. Yeah, I don't think people talk about that enough, and I guess uh, it's great to hear that you and your brother were, were sort of seeing what was going to happen with clients and communication and, and the information age where they can go learn a lot. And, and it, it, I think it's wild to some, some people who work at Builder Trend. You know, they're younger, as you, you've been here and, and met our team, but also uh, companies that have come in over the last few years in the industry that the, the trend was not to share information, you know, not only with the client, but with the subcontractors, like you didn't want them to see your plans because they're okay. going to shop at somebody else. And there was no there was no networking between builders in terms of sharing information. There was surely networking, but it was like it, it was a very, very you, you hold everything close to your chest. And you're seeing that sort of evolve now, which is great. Yeah, I th and I think it is great for the industry because, you know, I mean, and I'm somebody who believes that, you know, th there is plenty of room for reputable, qualified builders out there. Mm -hmm. And it's really our job to hold the industry up, to do things right, and to sort of highlight the people who 
aren't following the law are causing problems. You know, it, it is not the issue that it was in the industry 15 or 20 years ago mm-hmm. or, or longer back, but that still exists. And I think it's, yep. you know, all, all of this helps add to the legitimacy and the professionalism of what are professional companies. Yep. And that's something that we're really passionate about as well. Um, so we definitely share that. So you guys are in, um, so Marilyn, one thing I want to, I wanted to, um, have you explain because I don't think people get this is like cabin. John is actually the city you're in, right? It's not some sort of weird, not some sort of like story you have about like your name, right? No, it is actually the city I'm in, which is a really small, really old city in the middle of popular. So people know the DC area. They've heard of places like Bethesda, Maryland, Potomac. We're sort of right in the middle of there in this old subdivision of old uh, small area that was uh, actually where people would take a carriage ride out to sit by the river and cool down in the 1800s. Oh boy. Um, And we were trying to come up with this brilliant name and how are we going to figure this out? And my lawyer was sort of hounding me going, give me the name. I need to file the paperwork. We need to do this. And I sort of, we just sort of were like, well, all the, all of our competition has these creative names and they were all either like their last name or mm-hmm. where they were from. Mm-hmm. And we sort of looked up and we're like, oh, Kevin John Builders is available. Fine. We'll use that and we'll deal with it later. And it just sort of stuck. That's uh, great. Good for SEO like, there. I mean, you, you, yeah. you are the builder in Kevin John. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, so let's get to the, the meat of the subject here. So mm-hmm. let's call it March 15th last year. Uh, I think the reality of what we all sort of maybe thought was coming or didn't think was coming uh, hit with with the COVID-19 regulations and sort of the shutdowns. Can you kind of walk me through you and your brothers um, dealing with that initially and then the the next coming weeks? So I think initially we, we were both fortunate and unfortunate in our area in that we were in the part of the country that was sort of hit first or, or early on, mm-hmm. but we were a couple weeks behind New York. So our government and, you know, we had the ability to see a little bit of what was coming. They were a little more proactive, so it didn't get quite um, as severe. And I think in the beginning, there was a little bit of a deer in headlights for a day or so as we were trying to understand what the regulations meant what the lockdown meant. There was a debate in our state over, as well as nationally, over whether builders were going to be essential or not essential. Um, and I'll say we were lucky we had some terrific uh, sources of information. Um, I'm not necessarily an association rah-rah guy all the time, but our local association did an amazing job working with our governor's office, communicating uh, to us what the laws were. And then I think we just had to, like any other problem, sort of take it piece by piece. You know, a new piece of legislation comes out, read it, try and understand what you don't process it. Um, you know, we did a lot of work um, working with our Builder 20 group as well. We had a lot of people um, who were going through similar situations in different parts of the country. So we had some groups think there, but I think it was also setting a priority list. So how are we going to deal with immediate safety of our staff, clients, and job sites. Then what's the procedure? What are we doing on? And trying to communicate as we went, because you could only do as a small business so much at a time. So I remember back to March, we were writing a memo to our clients weekly 
here's what's going on. Here's what we're doing for masks, for washing, for working. And, and you know, as time went on and we better understood, that obviously slowed down a little and it became a little more ingrained. Um, but, you know, and obviously we also have the dueling priorities of, you know, we're focused on our job sites, on our, you know, field staff and their safety. But then there's also, how do we run a business through this? Are we staying open? Are we applying for PPP and EIDL funds? How does that work into our process? Even if we're allowed to work, should we shut down? And going through that process um, in as systematic a manner as possible. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that's, I guess, really a, a really difficult decision for you and other owners out there, because construction was deemed essential in, in the majority of states, you actually had to make a decision, as you said, for your staff, your clients, and your job sites. Hey, we can work, but is this the best thing for our people or our clients? Correct. And then also, you know, there's the subset of that that goes with given the safety regulations, which we agreed with and we thought were important uh, to keep staff safe. Can we be efficient? Um, so we were working on finishing a 16,000 square foot house at the time that had about three months left to go. That's large. You have more than 10 people working on that house on a regular yeah. basis to get that type of home delivered. So we had to go through, you know, we have the advantage of space. So it was a little bit job site by job site, you know, yeah. here's somewhere where we have the advantage of spacing, but are we going to get effective work done if we can have like two four, four person crews, a delivery person and a supervisor and that's it. And um, working through that. And we did make the decision, um, which we stuck to until now, of not working in any occupied homes except for emergency repairs, because it just from both a safety and a disruption standpoint, it just felt like too much. You know, I can't, con I can't, and I don't want to control where my painter goes when work is over. And now I'm going to bring him into your house where, you know, you've got two spouses working and a couple of kids trying to do online school and we've got a compressor and tearing out a bathroom or whatever. It just, it didn't feel like a good fit. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we actually stopped all of that type of work and had renovation uh, and, to resume. and I'm sorry. Yeah. Had, had renovation and remodeling been a, like what size uh, part of your business was that? So we're about 50, 50 um, new home and renovation addition in part because there is no land really where we are. So yeah. you get some teardowns, you get some whole remodels um, tended to be larger size projects. So most of our renovations and additions, people are still moving out. We're ripping the roof off, ripping the back of the house. But we were doing um, some work, and we had a couple of, you know, clients who were finishing their jobs, and obviously they wanted to get into their nice new safe house. Mm -hmm. but we didn't, you know, feel comfortable marching guys into there right as COVID was hitting. So we had to work through those issues. And I think uh, being a custom builder, the client side played a big role in it too. We had some clients who were very safety focused and concerned about the health of our crews and making sure it was other. And we had some people, frankly, who were very focused on their needs and, you know, a new, a new regulation would come out from the state and I'd have an email from one of their in-house counsels telling me what we needed to do under the law in terms of stretching it and getting us to their house and, you know, mm -hmm. look at this loophole, you can get more people. Mm -hmm. So that was a dynamic we had to work with and say, yeah. okay, we understand that, but we've got to keep safety in mind. You know, it's ultimately on us and, and work through those issues. 
So th- that's interesting. So when you talk about the litigious nature of maybe regionally, maybe it's different regionally with mm-hmm. different types of clients and different you know levels. Did you guys learn anything about the contracts and, and the different language you haven't? Did you guys make any adjustments there? Or do you feel like you were set up pretty well for that? Um, I think we were, by from what I've learned, obviously I'm not an attorney, but yeah. I spoke to mine plenty of times. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, we were pretty well covered by the sort of general force majeure language because this was so um, unexpected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, past that, though, it has forced us to change our language a little bit in terms of better understanding construction delays, material delays, and how that relates to the project and, uh, you know, how that relates uh, to consequences. And also now um, we've adjusted our contract language going forward because I've also heard the force majeure does not exist as much because the pandemic has been around Mm -hmm. for 10 months. Mm -hmm. So I can't say, oh, surprise, this thing happened in January. Right. Um, We sort of knew it was coming. Uh, Yeah. That has changed it. So, so good tip for any other business owners out there. Probably just a good time. I'm sure you have get your lawyer to take a look at your terms and conditions, make sure they're up to date with the force. Uh, what, what was that term again? Uh, force majeure. Force majeure. Yeah. Which- Got it. Um, so, so it looks like that's a, that's something that's adjust, you've adjusted. What else have, if anything, have you and your business partner, you know, sort of said? Okay we learn from this uh, and we're going to maybe make some adjustments internally with our people, with our clients, with our subs. Is there anything that kind of stands out? Um, Well, I think there've been a number of changes, most of them minor, but I think they add up Mm -hmm. um, pretty well. So one example is we never, we're a small office team, so we didn't have a lot of formal meetings. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also was someone who didn't believe particularly in, remote work uh, in such a tactile industry. Mm-hmm. Well, we were forced into remote work. It has been much better than I expected. And we started a what we thought was going to be temporary uh, daily sort of quick stand-up that I have with the office manager that also has a weekly larger group meeting. And it's really been an asset to the company to have that formal time, even though we're still talking and messaging and, and emailing to have that formal what's going on for the day uh, quick meeting has really helped. And I think is something that will continue. Yeah. Um, there's, there's some power in a recurring meeting, you know, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it's like we, we meet to meet, but when it's the right length and, and there's power in somebody knowing that, Hey, I don't have to call him right now. We're meeting tomorrow morning. Right. Hey, I don't have to talk to this person. We talk every Wednesday. So I'm just going to get my list together and therefore we can just deal with it all at the same time. When somebody knows that there's going to be that time that they can be heard or to speak or to deal with things, there's there's definitely power in that. No, there is power in that. And I think it also, interestingly to me, really helped a couple of our employees who were struggling with the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, living by themselves, not having a lot of interaction you know, how do I get into this work from home? It brought a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, repeatability and sort of a regiment to their day where they knew, okay, I got to be up at this time, ready to go, mm-hmm. and mimicked a work day more than the, okay, I'm on my couch in my pajamas with a laptop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it actually benefited us uh, in that way. Um, I think a lot of our job site hygiene 
is something that will stay even past this. Um, construction sites are a dirty place, and we, we mm -hmm. keep them, you know, clean and organized in our materials. But I don't know how much attention we've ever paid to things like hand washing and separation of trash and cleaning down tools that are you you know in a shared environment and things like that. And I, I seems like a best practice. Yeah, it, it's like uh, obviously some of the best companies like yourself you know, you guys had a company policy, let's say like, Hey, we want to keep a clean job site, but that was only a company policy. Now it's like state regulation. Like if you don't, we will be fine. That seems like it's probably pushed a lot of people to say, this isn't just a choice or a differentiator between my company and somebody else's. This is a, this needs to happen every day. Oh, and by the way, us doing this helps us keep things more organized in the job site. Maybe there's a benefit there. Yeah, no, I think there is. And I also think it's, there was awakening, a lot of builders, ourselves included, confused an organized job site with a clean job site. Oh, I like that. You walk, mm -hmm. And learning that clean is different than organized, mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to the health of your people. And I think when it comes to our trade partners and to our employees, um, you know, we try and treat them with respect and work with, you know, work with them on a uh, very professional level. But seeing us buying PPE and creating hand-washing stations and making sure they were paid if they needed to stay home sick and distancing and masks and all of these things that were ostensibly for their health um, resounded very well with them. And I think they appreciated, we weren't the only one, but they appreciated the builders who were taking their health and livelihood and family seriously. And we're a little concerned about the ones who weren't. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I guess it was a time to kind of see who's real, right? You know, as, as always in building, when building's good, you know, it, it's, it's all very easy, but when things get hard and people have your back and it's not just dollars and cents, you know, we had another guest on from the West coast who said the same thing. It, it was a renewed focus on taking care of your employees, taking care of your subcontractors and making them known how important they are to you. Absolutely. And I think it also renewed the collaboration. You know, we went away from, we all get into this habit of, you know, calling the electrician. You're going to be here tomorrow, right? Right. You got stuff you need. Okay, cool. Thanks. Bye. Mm -hmm. Into a real conversation of, are you going to be there? How many guys are they feeling well? Can they get it done? What's your supply chain issue? Do you have a delivery truck coming? When's it coming? And really, um, collaborating to make this work. You know, like we talk about that larger project where we're, you know, limited by the number of people we had to get into, okay, I know you want to bring four guys and I know you're trying to keep payroll going for them, but I only really have space for three guys. And would you be willing to do, you know, can we make this work with two or three guys on this day, but you can work on Saturday and bring other guys to get them the hours or um, whatever it was. So I think it renewed the collaboration and problem solving um, past sort of the rut. Yeah. I mean, like sort of get into, it gave you a chance to truly show your subs that you're compassionate and you definitely are there to help them as a partner. Like you understand, I know you guys, mm -hmm. you got to get your payroll people, but you know, here's the situation we're in. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also made it clear and easier for us to say to them, Hey, these are the things we need in this environment not just for you, not for the other people, but also for our business because we're trying to keep things rolling. Mm -hmm. We're trying to keep all paid. We're, we're trying to get through all this just as you are. Yeah. It feels like whenever like 
if this ever happens again, whenever like the vaccine is fully out and like no more masks, it's like maybe just throw a party for everybody. Just tons of beer. You guys all in a tight space, all the subs and vendors, (laughs) just a celebration. Yeah. Well, it's funny every year. That was one of the hardest things for us is uh, every year we throw a big like barbecue basically during the holidays Mm -hmm. and invite not only our staff, but our subs like give out a winter hat or whatever. And just, you know, we're, we're lucky that one of our key employees and lead framers is Brazilian and loves to barbecue. Oh, really? So nice. we like do this huge setup on our uh, on one of our job sites and have everybody over. And it was really hard not to have that camaraderie. Yeah. Just like texting with guys, being like, "Next year, next year, we're gonna we're, we're gonna really we're gonna really do this next year." And uh, you know, hey, maybe it. maybe we can do Christmas in July. We might have to. There you go. Maybe I can get out there. Well, I, I want to be really appreciative of your time, Josh. This has been great. Honestly, you know, this series was an idea but that we thought would be good, but we're getting so much great information that I think that every listener is going to be able to either relate to or take with them and go, hey, that was a great idea. I mean, I, I've got, like, tons of notes here from you. So, um, first of all, great job. I think, you know, it's, it's obvious that you guys are doing things right there. Uh, again, very much appreciative that the 10 plus years now you're going to be with us and thanks for your time today. Oh, you're very welcome. I enjoyed it. All right, man. Wish you the best. Thanks so much. Bye. Hey everyone. As you know, this year's international builder show is going virtual. So if you're attending IBS X, be sure to visit build a trends virtual booth to check out our latest feature updates and talk one-on-one with our team. In addition, I'll be leading an on-demand education session. So be sure to look out for Going Virtual, your guide to project management on the go. It's available February 9th, and you'll learn all about the nuances of remotely managing your projects, some technology that can help you, and how you can save more time. Registration is still open online at buildersshow.com. See you there. We have Nick Calaruso from Cedar Mill Group joining us. We are talking to companies in the Northeast region uh, of, of our regional podcast. They're out of New Hampshire. We're really excited. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Paul, thanks for having me today. How have things been this year? So, yeah, things, I mean, if you'd asked me this question back in February of, you know, if you said, you know, forecast for me what the year is going to look like, uh, I probably would have been doom, gloom. And I'm, I'm usually an optimistic person, but back then it was just so much uncertainty that, you know, you just, you, you need to adapt and, you know, stay fluid. And honestly, we've had, we had a record year this past year. Oh. Um, we, we, we far surpassed my goals. And, uh, and this year coming up, is is looking to to beat this past year yeah that's that's so good to hear we're hearing a lot of that you know we started this regional podcast series really with the goal of like hearing people's stories like while it happened right sure what did you guys go through specific to your state you know your local so we you kind of talk about it like there's there's local rules your county rules your city rules your state rules right and so we really wanted to hear that what's so great about this series as listeners know who have been listening to it is that overwhelmingly uh, it's been a positive thing. It's been, it's something that really snapped back quickly uh, and building and construction have been one of these, these highlights of the industry that's benefited from this, which is so great. We definitely want to hear that. Let's start off by just sort of uh, laying the table for everybody listening. Um, Who is Cedar Mill Group? Where are you guys located? Um, You know, what do you do there? And kind of give me the rundown. You got it. No, that sounds great. Um, so at Cedar Mill Group, we are a design-build remodeling company, um, strictly residential construction at this point. 
Uh, we've been in the business as Cedar Mill Group for 14 years. Uh, before that, we rebranded back in 2007. And it was, you know, if some of the people that go back to 2007, it was, uh, you know, one of the trickiest years to rebrand. You know, like no, nobody knew that 2008 was going to hit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so, you know, we started out and we had a little bit of, you know, they had a little bit of savings. And, um, you know, honestly, it's a 100% relationship-based business. And we, you know, we just pounded the pavement with some of the contacts that we knew, and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And, um, you know, we, in the middle years, uh, you know, we, we weren't thriving, but we were, you know, we were staying afloat. And then it just, you know, for the past seven years, I would say we've had an upward trend and it's, it's amazing the amount of repeat business that we've had. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that is due back to, you know, the, the fact that we are a remodeling company. Um, you know, we do new construction, but I would say, I would say 75% of our, of our business is all remodeling, uh, typically high end, high end homes where people live there. Um, so it's kind of a, a niche market where, you know, I, I tell everybody that anybody can build you something, but it's, you know, how was the process? How was the experience? And, uh, you know, if you didn't want to kick me out, you know, at the end, then we, we knew we did a good job. That's a, um, that's a good, good little thing. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one because, you know, as everybody talks about, it's a relationship, right? And relationships have their ups and downs. You're in somebody's home. If you're doing remodeling that, that carries its own sort of stress. Right. So yeah, if, if they don't hate you by the end of it, then you've probably done it, pretty good. I, you know, I, I tell, I tell customers cause now I'm on the sales side. So, you know, I've, I've taken, uh, so I'm, I'm vice president of Cedar Mill group. Now, uh, Paul, when you first met me, I was a project manager. Uh, so I started, you know, in the trenches, um, you know, kind of just running these projects and, you know, we've, we've grown so much since then that, you know, now I'm strictly on the sales side and kind of the project development side. And I tell every single one of our customers at the first meeting, you know, when we, when we sit down to the sales table, I said, if we've done our job correctly, you know, you're excited to get going. You know, halfway through the project, you know, you're, you're going to call me up and you're going to say, Nick, when when are we going to be done? And, you know, you're going to start to get antsy. And at the end of the project, you're going to be sad to see us go. And we've we've had every single customer over the past, you know, seven years. They've been sad to see us go. And it's been amazing what they've done for us after the project. I mean, we've had, you know, project parties. We've had, they, you know, they all become your best friends. They, they, they know that, you know, if they call, you know, our number, somebody's going to pick up and, and handle the problem. Mm -hmm. So. Well, yeah, kind of yeah, it's that's amazing. I, I've got a lot of questions about that because a lot of the a lot of the point of this podcast in general, beyond this this COVID series, is trying to uh, find these things that you guys do really well, and then hopefully sharing that with other professionals out there. So I want to talk about that. But you had referenced that we've known each other a long time because yeah. back when I was doing sales for Builder Trend when we were a smaller company, um, I always had targeted Cedar Mill Group because you guys just were a really great company. Wanted you on board. I think I hunted you guys for a few months, maybe even longer. Finally yep. got you in front of a demo, and then yeah. you guys you guys made the jump. So we we are super appreciative of you guys using Buildition for all these years and letting us be along with you for the journey. Now, everybody knows remodeling and really construction in general, if you're doing custom projects, is a referral-based business. It's probably everybody's number one sort of lead source. So what do you guys do specifically at Cedar Mill um, to ensure that you're getting max referrals from your clients? I think, I think 90% of it is listening. I mean, it's, you know, anybody can talk, we can sit here, have a good conversation, but it's, it's listening and addressing, you know, I, I don't want to call them problems. I'll call them opportunities. And it's, it's just, it's just being there to, to be, you know, a sounding board and, and to, to make, you know, people feel that they're trusted, they're heard and, and that they're being taken care of. And, Honestly, if you looked at my marketing budget for this past year, I, you know, I think my marketing budget was $1,200, which, you know, that that's to keep my domain going. Mm -hmm. And, 
honestly, like, and maybe a little bit of website prep, but mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's all been referral, which is referral based. And, uh, you know, it was amazing. So we, you know, on a personal note, you know, we just, uh, we just had a baby. So my family and hey. I had our first, uh, had our first son, which Congrats, is super, man. super exciting. Awesome. And the, and the amount of customers that, that came out of the woodwork, you know, to, to reach out and congratulate and, and just, you know, that wanted to be a part of our life, it just, it, it, it really resonated with me and it showed me that what we were doing was working and, you know, there's no pre-programmed script. There's no, I keep telling people that I'm the worst salesperson in the world. I'm the least salesy salesperson because we're real. You know, yeah. we probably makes you we, we some of the want, best. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it's great. You know, we just want to start a conversation and we, you know, it's, it's, you know, we, we want to say what we're going to do and then we want to do what we're going to say. Yeah. You know, it's, all that. it's so simple. And I think some people try to over, over complicate it. And I've always said in sales, especially in this day and age, nobody wants to be sold. There's so right. much information out there that they can go find themselves if they're curious. Nobody wants to be sold. They just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you had mentioned that. That's a great thing you guys do because, you know, I think construction companies, and we talk about this all the time on the podcast, is that we forget because we, we do it so often that this is their first time. And this is a really important thing for their business, probably financially and, and personally. You know, they're changing their their structure they live in so they can make it more livable for them and their and their style of a family, wherever they are. And so it's important to really, I think, appreciate that and then over communicate and listen. And I think it seems like you guys do a good job of that. Do you actually specifically ask for referrals? I know a lot of good companies, um, they say, look, hey, if we've done a great job here, tell tell people. I, I never actually, I can tell you, you know, in all honesty, I've never asked for a referral, but it's been amazing. You know, the, the amount of people that have come out, you know, come up to me and they've said, you know, hey, Nick, you know, do you mind? You know, can we, you know, can we refer our friends? Can we refer, you know, so-and-so? And the one big thing that I've done, you know, and this is this is an odd statistic, but you know, we we had 20% of our business over the last three years that came in from referrals from customers that were never our customers. And and, and I'll I'll explain that what a little bit. What does that mean? Okay, let's it was, unpack it was, that one. You know, customers that came to us that you know we we always go to a first meeting. I always want to you know we start with a phone interview, but I always want to go out and you know see the project. I want to meet with the people, and you know, and we'll spend on average you know one to two hours just talking with somebody. And if I feel that it's a project that is a little bit too small for us, because we're, you know, we're in a niche market, you know, we've, we've gone ahead and we found out that, you know, between, you know, this project size and that project size, you know, we, you know, we run really well and we run efficiently, but instead of declining, you know, and saying, Hey, listen, I, I, you know, we, we don't, you know, we can't do your project. I always want to leave somebody with a referral to another, you know, another partner. You know, we have, we have copious amounts of partners in the business. And I always, you know, call it competition, not competition, because yeah, like there's that. enough work out there for everybody. And I've honest to God, I have had more people call me that said, you know, hey, you know, you met with, you know, my friend Betty and you, you never did her project, you know, you but you were you had a great referral for her. And, you know, just just to have a company that's willing to go ahead and, you know, do the legwork and make the introduction, knowing that it's not going to be, you know, a direct impact, you know, a direct revenue generator. Um, really resonates with people. And, a, I, and I never knew that. That's a great tip. Nice. And that, that's a great takeaway from everybody because every interaction is an advertisement for your business, positive or negative, no matter what, 100%. it's just the reality of it. And so, you know, I just did a class for uh, the International Builder Show. Have you guys ever came and seen our booth at the show? No, I, I need to go do that. Oh, well, hopefully we can get back to that in person. We'll get yes. it back probably next year. But So it's all yep. virtual right now. And it's, um, Daniel, it's February, February 9th. Um, so okay. if you're not, if not registered, I would register because I just did a class and then I talked about sales and, and having a sales process is important, not because you don't want to be personal, but because 
you can deliver the exact right consistent marketing message every time. And so if, if your sales process is no matter what, we're going to take a call and this, this, this client may not be anywhere near the budget we like, that's our wheelhouse, but we're going to take the 30 minutes. We're going to meet with them or an hour and we're going to give them that referral uh, for some of your referral network. And man, that's, that's planting the seed. So that's really great to hear. And I always, and, and the key to doing that is that I always ask the potential customer or the, you know, the person that I'm referring, I always ask them to reach out to me afterwards and let me know how it goes Great. because it, 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 it just brings the conversation full circle. And I always tell people, I, I want to give a good referral. I don't want to just, you know, have somebody, I just don't want to give a name that's going to go ahead and, you know, handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it brings that personal level. And there's been some customers that have come back to me and they said, Hey, Nick, you know, this is a great referral. They did, you know, X, Y, and Z really good, but Hey, they could have done this better. And, and I, I, you know, I have personal relationships with all these, all these companies and, and I have a sit down with them, you know, after the fact and say, Hey, listen, this is information that they may not have told you, but you know, we built this relationship and this is the feedback that we're getting. And a good company is going to listen to that feedback back and they're going to implement that. Well, holy cow, Nick, you're just dropping great stuff here. Where'd you come from? Did you, did you grow up in construction or? I did. Yeah. So I, I actually, I grew up in Connecticut We're you know, we're a New Hampshire based business now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it was funny, I wasn't going to go to college. So my, my backstory on this, I, I grew up when I was 15, I, I joined a framing crew and I was going to be a framer for the rest of my life. I said, this is it. This is great. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's sunny outside, you know, you get a tan in the, in the summer mm-hmm. and you know, you're, you don't have to go to the gym. This is perfect. Luckily my parents woke me up and they you know, explained to me that, you know, that was between, you know, May and August. And they said, you know, become a framer in the middle of the winter and get back to me. And I, I said, okay, you know, I see where you're going with that. And they said, the least you can do is go ahead and, and go to school, get, you know, get a, get an education, go, you know, go be a sales guy, go be, you know, I come from a huge insurance family mm-hmm. and they said, you know, go, go work in the insurance industry. And I said, well, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll go to school. And it wasn't until my, um, my second semester of my freshman year, you know, I, you know, I, it finally dawned on me that, you know, I was going to be graduating with, uh, with, 3,500 people that were all management majors. And I said, you know, I don't want to be fighting with 3,500 other people when I get out of here, you know, three and a half years from now, you know, what do I, what can I do? You know, what skills do I have? So I actually went, you know, I, so I got an architecture degree from Keene State. And where's, where's that at? it was once, once I applied everything that I knew, you know, I loved working with my hands, but once I, you know, did that and I spun that into, you know, an actual, you know, bachelor's of science, literally it came easy to, to me, Paul. It was, it was the most fun I had ever had. And then implementing that and rolling that out in the in the business world um, back in 2000, so it was 2007, 2008, you know, we talked about, you know, obviously the downturn uh, back then. So getting right out of college and then having the, the economy literally pump their brakes and say, hey, just kidding, you know, this is great. You have a degree, you can put it on your wall, but, you know, we're, nobody is hiring. I actually, I, I had loaded up my car with all of my stuff. I had had two interviews down in Florida um, for architecture firms. And, uh, I was, you know, it was a, it was a two day journey down there and halfway down, I was in Pennsylvania and uh, got calls from both the firms that I had had appointment you know, meetings with interviews with. And they basically said, Hey, Nick, you know, hate, hate to tell you this right now, but you know, we're in a hiring freeze. It's like everybody had shut down. It was in that, wow. that October window. Mm-hmm. And I said, Oh shoot. I said, what do I, you know, what do I, where do I go from here? Because it was the first time I'd ever been without a job too. I'm like, this is this is not good. Mm-hmm. So I spun I spun that around, and I actually had, had networked with a lot of people when I was in college, uh, and I joined AmeriCorps. So I, I joined AmeriCorps, mm-hmm. and I actually worked for Habitat for Humanity for two years. And you make no money, but I mean, honestly, the relationships, the experience that you get, and you know, I was twenty something at the time, and they you know they fly you all around the country, so that wasn't a bad thing either. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it still talked to some of those people today and it was a direct you know it's a direct correlation to, to the market we're in right now the building you know that we're that we're in and mm-hmm. you know you're just trying to help people you know you, you, this is you know it was the stuff they can't teach you in college that, that you learned and um, you know the rest the rest is the rest is history I've worked for a few larger construction companies that weren't you know they weren't family based they weren't you know it was literally you were a, you were a number i was employee you know 439 and it was how quickly can you get it done and how efficiently can you get it done and oh by the way move on to the next one um so again going back to cedar mill group we're, we're a nine employee company and honestly you know we we always tell people once you once you come here once you're hired you're never leaving you, yeah. you can't you can't go anywhere it's kind of so, like the mafia it, it is exactly <laughs> um you know but it's amazing it's just this you know and, and we're all you know we're super diligent during our hiring process uh we've we've utilized a few different um you know techniques and uh, we utilize um it's a it's a personal um assessment that you know have you ever heard of disc disc assessment yeah we use it here Mm -hmm. you use it okay yeah so we Mm -hmm. we we utilize that we implemented that about six years ago and uh it's so funny to get guys that are in the construction industry that you know not only to take that but then to sit around a, a conference table and do a two-day seminar on on really breaking that apart and what does that mean mm-hmm. and in you know our disc language um you know all of us all of us talk about it and we've grown leaps and bounds you know personally and and you know from a business front now that we all know you know how to interact with each other and and from a sales side that is is literally it's amazing what that's done from a, for us on a sales standpoint as well. You, in terms of hiring salespeople or? No, no, from like first appointment, second appointment. So the, the other thing, Paul, that we, that Jeff and I have implemented and we'll never go back is we, we do a team sales approach. So, we, you know, it's, it's always Jeff and I that go. And the reason we do that is that there's going to be, you know, for a two hour conversation, you know, there's going to be things that I hear and there's going to be things that Jeff hears. It, he's going to hear things differently. But then there's always when there's when there's two decision makers at the table, um, you know, obviously nobody has the same, you know, disc, you know, profile mm-hmm. and you, know, you start to pick and pull it, it, what, you know, other people's disc, you know, uh, assessments are. So, that, you know, you're going to want to be, you know, talked to a little bit differently than Danielle wants to be talked to and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So you can really start to, to look at those key areas before they become a thing. And mm-hmm. that's it's, right, just, yeah. it's just another tool in the toolbox. Yeah. I think they think those assessment, a lot of people believe those assessment things are just, just to help you identify the types of people you want to hire. There's so much value, as you just said, Nick, in the team sharing that because everybody likes to be communicated differently. You know, if you've ever been to therapy with your wife, not saying I have, I love my wife, but you know, everybody, everybody communicates differently and receives communication differently. And that's really important to identify. I think that's such a great call out already in the first 10 minutes here. We've got some great takeaways. You know, one thing I want to talk to you about though. So you got a close knit nine employee uh, team, you know, once you're in, you're always in, uh, you know. Um, much like a gang, but, um, yeah. <laughs> so when, when COVID happened, you know, there was a lot of adjustment that needed to be made, excuse me, from, uh, from a business perspective, right? I assume right. in New Hampshire is much like everywhere else where right away there was like a lot coming at us, you know, we, we need to start working from home. We need to wear masks. We need to protect ourselves. We need to do social distancing. So just take me back there. What were some of the challenges you guys faced, uh, and how did the team, your close knit team react and how did the leadership of your team, you know, communicate effectively? You know, we'll, we'll pan into, you know, the, the first six hours of that, you know, and it was like, you know, the first, it, it really hit us when, you know, when the, when the governor really came in and, you know, all of a sudden these mandates come out, you know, and it's, you know, and I remember watching, you know, I don't know if you ever watched the, the television when you were a child, you know, watching for like, like cancellations and snow, like oh, yeah. snow days. Yeah, you bet. 
So I remember there was three of us in our office just watching this TV and we were all watching to see whether construction was going to be an essential business. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I, I had customers. We were running four projects at the time and I had customers that, that kept all day, that, that entire day kept calling me saying, hey, Nick, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I said, you know, we got to wait. We have to wait and see whether A, we're essential because if we're not essential, we're all going to go home and we're going to think about it for the next you know couple months mm -hmm. and then we'll come back. And uh, so after we knew, we found out that we were essential, um, then it was going back to these, these four projects, these customers and saying, you know, okay, you know, we can, we, we can legally still work on your project. What is, what is this going to look like? You know, and it, because again, it's a team approach. Mm -hmm. So not only did I want them to feel comfortable, but I also wanted, you know, our team to feel comfortable, our trade partners to feel comfortable. And, you know, obviously most importantly, I wanted to feel comfortable about the decisions we were going to roll out. And, uh, we were blessed with the fact that three out of the four projects were all uninhabited. So they were all oh, second nice. homes. Mm -hmm. um, the struggle with that is that they're all vacation homes. And, you know, we, we work on the New Hampshire mass border. Everybody from Massachusetts went north. Everybody that was in the city said, right. hey, oh, by the way, this is supposed to be a six-month project. Can you get it done in four months? Because we want to, we want to move in. <laughs> right, because they want to they move out of those cities. We we've talked a lot on, during the series about this, uh, this exit from the urban centers because yep. you don't have to be there anymore. So that's funny. So you guys were doing vacation homes, and they wanted to be in those vacation homes. Yeah, they they one hundred percent came permanent yeah. homes, and yeah. it was you know I, I I had two I had two customers that we were literally in the home stretch. We were probably three weeks from finishing. That called and said, Nick, hey, listen, we'll pay you more money if you can finish. And I said, it's not a money thing. I said, it's just a, you know, oh, by the way, you know, we're trying to limit our job size. You know, that's one to answer your question. One of the things we did was, you know, we limited, you know, trade, you know, the amount of people on a job site at the same time. Right. You know, we we rolled out the masks, we rolled out the hand sanitizer. I wish I had invested in stocks before this, you know, <laughs> and uh, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I'd be in a lot better spot. Right. But everybody was was super on board with. You know, it, again, you go back to that team approach. It's we're going to roll this out. We need everybody to implement it. And, you know, oh, by the way, I don't have the time to go job to job to check to make sure that people are actually following the protocol. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was really, you know, empowering and, and holding people capable that, you know, yes, you're going to do this for yourself, but you're also going to do it for other people. And, you know, I only had one job site where, you know, we found one guy that wasn't following the protocol. This is about six months ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he was one of our tile guys, great, awesome, awesome installer. And, uh, you know, he was feeling kind of sick. And, he, and he, long story short, he gave COVID to the entire, you know, I had two, two of our employees were affected and then four other trade partners were affected and their families. Wow. And this was, you know, it, it was a, a shock to me because I said, I thought we were doing all the right things. And, and even that you're not immune to it. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, so even after that, you know, one of my project managers who, you know, he's our builder trend guru right now. You know, he said, okay, how can I use Builder Trend to go ahead and, you know, you know, move the schedule around? Can I, you know, can I space people out? Can we communicate differently? Um, you know, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, again, it was just, it was just making people aware and, and getting their buy-in that they were going to go ahead and actually, you know, implement the plans that yeah. we were rolling. And it probably helped to have buy-in already. I mean, it starts, it starts at the beginning. I mean, I think what, what we've realized in this is that if you, if you didn't have a, a good setup whether it's your HR, your hiring, your team communication, uh, this probably just exasperated that problem to you. Because if it, you right. if you had a great communication already, then then you probably rolled with this as, as a company a little bit better. And that maybe is just, again, we're looking back and saying, okay, what can we learn from this and implement later yep. and, and get better yep. at? So if you didn't have it before, you know, it just yeah. basically showed you how important it was. One thing I want to talk about, is your sales process and, and I'm going to surround this around COVID, but I want to know 
so I, I, I sort of preach to everybody about their sales process and construction is have, have a cadence, have a process. Uh, do you guys, when you get a new lead, do you have a process you guys use? And is your call to action not like just try to sell them over the phone and show how great you are, but hey, let's set up a meeting. Let's set up our meeting. That's what we, that's our first step. It, it all, you, you always want to, this will be a two-folded answer, but, you know, obviously once you've, you know, you, you set up the meeting, you go to meet with the people. I always want to do it in person if we can. Um, and even still to this day, it, it always, if we can do it in person or over Zoom, I, I want to meet you in person because, you know, you can, you can take a telephone call, you can mm -hmm. read an email, but you're only getting, you know, a third of, you know, the communicators there. And, you know, somebody sends you an email and all the, you're automatically, you know, creating a story in your head about what they're trying oh, yeah. to tell you, Yeah. you know, on, on the phone, you know, you can hear their voice, but, you know, they could be rolling their eyes at you. They could be doing, you know, the body language is a, is a big indicator big. and driver of how that meeting is going to go. So, you know, my number one thing is, you know, get, get in front of the customer, whether it be by zoom or whether it be, you know, a face-to-face -face appointment. Mm -hmm. um, the second answer to that, and this is a, you know, a big shout out to builder trend is, you know, it was so, if you had seen our sales process, or at least our lead tracking before Builder Trend, I think it was on the back of a napkin, and that napkin was, you know, stuffed in a drawer. And you know, you look at the napkin every now and then, but I mean, there you're really relying on on memory. Mm -hmm. And I always joke, I say, you know, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, we're all in trouble because, mm -hmm. you know, the, the guy that keeps all the information, he he seems powerful until all of a sudden he's not there. Yeah. Um. So you know, we we utilized you know the 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 lead tracking and the sales end of of Builder Trend. Just, just to keep a pulse checker, I, I always do a Monday morning meeting with the, the entire company, which for us is easy with nine, nine employees, but it's always starting with, with lead tracking. We always want to tell guys, you know, even if they think it's important or not important, I always want to talk, talk about what we have in the pipeline. And, and we, always, we look at the percentages, we look at the closing rates, we look at, you know, so again, using Builder Trend as that tracking tool, and it's, it's in an easy spot. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I can look at it right now if I wanted to, and it's just as long as the sales guy does his job and puts the, the data correctly, we can track it, we can look at it, and it, we can actually do something. That's with awesome. It. Great, great, yeah. great stuff there. I mean, I think we've talked a lot about this, but some of the best construction business owners and really just business owners in general, uh, they over-communicate to their team. And, and you had mentioned a great thing there, which is like I tell the entire team about progress and sales. Whether they yeah. think they should care or not, trust me, that's in the back of their head. And if they can help that or, or, or sort of add to it, maybe it's months down the road because they've heard it every Monday and they have a good idea for you. But if you never involve them, then that's never going to happen. And everybody's right. more bought in, which is great. So, well, so let's talk about this real quickly because I think you, you bring up a great point because every construction company should or does have a filter, right? You've mentioned it twice. Yep. You guys have a certain project that you know you do best in, whether that's best means make the most money or just are most efficient or you're on your best foot for that job. You do your best quality work. You know sort of where that's at. So step one is defining that for your business. If you haven't yet, you know, let's do that if you're listening. Step two is you then have to understand who's your best client. And you can only do that if you have some sort of checklist or filter during your sales process. And I think you nailed it. I mean, I literally just said this in the IBS X uh, virtual class I just did is you can't do that over the phone. You know, there's a there's a huge running joke with me and like my wife, whereas like the word sure in a text message is like the worst word of all time. <laughs> because it's like, hey, honey, can you go do this? Sure. Oh, gosh, she's she didn't like that one. <laughs> you know, but she could just be saying sure. 
you know? So, I mean, it's just a great example that, that words via like text or email, it's just so hard to understand the intent behind right. them. And so definitely get a face to face. Now, so you guys do virtual meetings. And one thing I wanted to ask, or maybe give you a tip is that, you know, you have this team approach in sales because two people interpret things differently, which I think you're dead on with that. So do you guys record the zoom calls that you do so that you can go back to them and be like, yeah, what, did, what did she say? Or how did, how did he or she say that? That's, that's funny that you said that. So I just found out that you could actually record these things. Yeah. So yeah, we, we, yeah. Have, we have not. And I'm like, that was like a game changer. It was, I, I felt like I was just like, where have I been my entire life? Yeah. And so th- that, that's going to be a process that I, I think we do not only for sales calls, but right. for trainings, for seminars, for, you know, we talk to a lot of, a lot of people, we do a lot of educational stuff recording it is huge because then going back and you know it's, it's like watching you know watching tape when you were in sports in college and high school yep. you know, you, that's you exactly right yeah and that's i think yeah. you know we talk about so we talk about this a lot hopefully it's not repetitive during this series because i've said it a number of times but you know technology and construction has not been adopted as a whole and, it, and we're still second second lowest in terms of industries of tech adoption um and you know i think a lot of companies understood the value of technology but there was there was there was uh, barriers for them. Hey, I'm too busy right now. Or you know, Joe is Joe's 76. He's my carpenter. There's no way he's pulling his phone out. You know, Mary, she's my accountant. She's stuck in her ways. Like, let's just I'll wait till she reti- retires, or I'll wait till a different time. I think what's been great about this pandemic is it's pushed people over the edge. It's like there's no option now. Like we're here. 100. We're yeah. here. And I think what's great about that, and let me. Tell me if I'm right with you and your experiences. Once some once employees got pushed out of their routine, maybe they're open up to more of that. Like, let's seize this opportunity to say, now that you're out of your routine and you know you're still alive, like everything's fine, maybe we can start doing that more in our company. Well, and the best part of that, and this came from a from a you know we we adopted you know using again builder trend, and we're we're a huge builder trend company. CRM, you know, is, is the backbone of of our process. And uh, I remember, you know, this is this is a couple months back. I was talking with one of our project managers, and I said, you know, how can I make your job easier? Because he was just, you know, he's he's the I've been in his position before, and it's a it's a stressful job. And he said, he goes, hey Nick, he goes, do you mind reaching out to the team and asking if anybody would be willing to do daily logs? And I said, well, they should still be, they should already be doing daily logs. But I had a a, a laborer that that literally he called me up that night and he said, hey Nick, he goes, I'm not really a techie person, but he goes, can I can I manage the daily logs for whatever job site I'm on? And uh, you know, I said, you know, Michael, that's great. I said, go, you know, go ahead. You know, I said, I I gave, I did a walkthrough, I did a tutorial, and it was amazing. Once I gave him, you know, the the courage and and just the the power to say, yeah, go ahead and do this. It was amazing what came out of it. And then when everybody watched him doing this and having fun with it, and and said, you know, this is this is a, a five minute, you know, five minutes out of your life every day mm-hmm. that, you know, can can pay dividends in the end. And once they saw that he could do it, everybody said, well, that's easy. I can do this. And, awesome. and, it, and, it, and it slowly stepped from there. And it's like, okay, well, I can have the better daily log than this person. And I can have this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put, you know, I, I instituted a long time ago. I said, if you can do any, you know, if, if I ask you to do anything with BuilderGen, can you at least post three pictures a day? I used to make this, this thing because I can't be at every job site that we, that we go through. And specifically with COVID now. Um, you know, you, I just, I can't be everywhere. So the fact that I can, you know, pull up, you know, my phone or my computer and figure out like, Hey, this is the progress that got done this, this week, you know, this month, 
this day, uh, it, it's just, it's amazing how interactive and, and it gives people again, the opportunity to contribute yeah. in ways that they never thought they were going to contribute. Wow. That's such good stuff there. I mean, I mean from employee engagement to that competitive oh. thing between them, that's so great. You know, I, 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 I could have sworn you, you, you may have been like eavesdropping on my, my webinar I just did for IBSX because my second takeaway, uh, for this, for this uh, class was daily logs. It's, yeah. it's, it's a philosophy and a workflow and the vehicle could be anything. If you're using builder trend, obviously we have got the perfect thing for you. We have a feature called daily logs, but for a business to get in the habit of saying to their employees, Hey, everyone from now on, if you visit a job site, as you are leaving, take two minutes add a log, you know, who was there, what happened, send me three photos, take a video, because you can do videos too. And every time, hey, every, uh, let's take this a step further. Hey, everybody, every time you take a phone call from a homeowner, every time you interact with them, add log, log, it. log it. Because what's so great about that is, I mean, it's obvious, right? First of all, it gives you and the ownership leadership team the ability to see literally months and years, day to day, what happened. There's no, there's no misconstruing that. But secondly, what I've heard from many people like you is that the next time you go talk to a homeowner, you know, every homeowner believes like their project's your only project and that's okay. That's, yeah. that's kind yeah. of, and so it, it allows you as a business owner or a leader to be so knowledgeable about the job without even having to be there. You, before you talk to the client, you take five minutes, you scroll through the last two weeks of daily logs and you've got, you're on it. So such a good takeaway. Your team should be doing day logs. Don't care how you do it, but, but do that in your business because it, it'll pay dividends. The other thing that we adopted too, and this this is similar to daily logs, but you know we you know again before before Builder Trend, you know we our our communication process, our file structure process, I'd say it was it, it was at about a sixty percent. I mean it was it wasn't bad by any means, but you we had we had information and documentation everywhere, and if something went down, you were probably going to lose a chunk of that information. Mm -hmm. So you know one one thing you know you, you talked a little bit about this, but everybody has their habits, and you know that you get into this routine. And we broke, you know, our, our we, we specifically broke our field routine by, you know, we used to handhold all of our lead carpenters and, you know, I'd, I'd have, you know, I'd have a lead carpenter call me and say, hey, Nick, you know, can you give me the specs on this appliance or this install? And we had our, our designer who, you know, really is instrumental with our project manager. They, they use Builder Trend to, as the central hub for everything. So we would go ahead and we adopted the practice of just putting things on Builder Trend and doing no printouts, doing no, you know, certain things where, you know, somebody would call me and I'd say, did you check Builder Trend yet? And then they, you know, it got to the point where they would automatically want to check Builder Trend before they called me because they knew that, you know, the information was probably there, but they were, they were lazy. You know, mm -hmm. we all get lazy. We right. get into these routines. And now, honestly, I f it feels weird. I don't get the phone calls. That's awesome. I'm just like, you know, I, I feel like I'm so disconnected and, and I'm a, I'm a huge controller. So for me, you know, for me to be disconnected from that, you know, feels different, feels weird, but yeah. It's it's progress and it's working. That's great, so. man. That's such that's such good stuff. All right, so so one of the last questions, man. I, I wish we could do this. This so here here's my promise to the audience because I know you're loving what Nick has to say. I am. You're coming back on in 2021. If you if Perfect. you if you will, we'll do a full episode with you because I really want Ronnie get in your head about uh, business process and construction because I think sure. there's some great stuff there for you. Last thing I want to talk about is before or after COVID. Did you guys um, did you guys make a concerned effort to talk to your prospects about um, the communication that they should expect during the job? And what I mean by that, did you guys say, okay, 
this is going to be a nine month job and you lay out like you're going to be really excited at first and halfway through you're going to be like, you know, when are we done? You're going to be really great at the end. But did you get even more specific like that? Hey, like every two weeks we're going to have a meeting, me and you or you and your project manager and we're going to talk progress. Do you guys have any schedule like that? We do. Yeah, we, we have a huge schedule like that. And um, it, again, it all it all stems, you know, around Builder Trend. But and I and I bring Builder Trend to the first meeting. I mean, this is a huge this is a, a sales tool that we didn't think was going to be a sales tool. But I mean, I bring my laptop with me everywhere. And, you know, because we're a design build, you know, I uh, in the in the beginning, I'm designing with them. You know, so we mm-hmm. we use Chief Architect as our design platform. Love it. Um but you have the you have the computer open for that presentation, so it says, "Oh, by the way, let me show you how we how we're going to communicate." And I always tell people this isn't the end all be all. You know, I, I you know we we use Builder Trend again as a tool in the toolbox. Nothing beats that that phone call, that face to face communication, the email. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it, it all plays as it, its part in the whole process. Um, but you know, yeah, we do. We we use the schedule a ton because I, I schedule. They they can see my my only. The only thing I did wrong the first time we used Builder Trend is I let the customers use the entire. I let let them view the mm, entire schedule. Yep. So you know, on day number two, they're looking at the end date, and they <laughs> never they never they never forget that end date. Right. And, uh, and and we tell this story, you know, and I say, you know, listen, this is this is what we're going to do. So our, our weekly, I, I do, I always do a weekly job site meeting. You know, whether it's whether it's thirty minutes, whether it's an hour. Um, you know, I, it's, it's the old adage, trust, but verify. I want to trust what people are saying, but I also want to verify that mm-hmm. that isn't true fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we put it, we log it all on builder trend. We tie it in with outlook. We try, tie it in with a lot of different other, you know, um, aspect, tech, technological aspects in mm-hmm. our business and it all works. As long as you do the thing, it works, but yep. you got to do the thing. That, right. That's the one thing is <laughs> you got to use the tool. Yeah. And you got to be consistent. I mean, I think so, so often, I mean, it, you know, for me, I, I, I just always remind construction owners that again, this is their first time. We, we don't have the best reputation as an industry. And I think that that's wrong. I think that there's so many amazing companies like you guys who have great integrity and, and all that, but as an industry in general, the, the construction doesn't have a great reputation. And so anything you can do to, to, to battle those two things from the get-go, which is be super professional, you know, like have all your social media up to date, uh, you know, set a meeting and, and be on time, and then show them how organized you are, whether that's builder trend or not. I mean, you are going to just be head and feet above everybody else because it's just not very common. And so great takeaway. I mean, I think you guys do do it the right way. So how, how's next year looking for you guys? You guys had a great year. So how's next year looking? So yeah, next year, I mean, again, it's, it's so Jeff and I and the, the leadership team, you know, every, you know, every January we forecast, you know, for, for the, that current year. And, uh, and I'm always the, the more reserved one. It's, Hey, I don't want to count the checks before they come in, but yep. you know, we always set, set these goals and uh, you know, this coming year, I, I think we're going to do one and a half times what we did this year. Wow. That's which, so good. which then then becomes a production, you know. So it's so funny because you know, you you look at sales and, and you look at revenue and you're like, this is great, but it's you know my my two project managers I have, you know, I get I get all jazzed up. I walk in the room and you know, everybody's high fiving and they're like, oh oh no, how are we going to get this done? You know, it's it, it becomes a production and a and a Absolutely. scheduling thing. So so my plug to everybody in, in the industry right now, there's there's you know so far fewer plumbers, electricians, you know, it's just, it's amazing. You know, the, the young, the young kids that, you know, don't know what they want to do and they're in high school, they're seniors in high school. It's like, pick up the phone and call me because I'm going to tell you that you can make such a great career out of this. Yeah. And you know, there, there's not enough people in the industry. So yeah. it's, it's spread the word, you know, bring back the trades. Yeah. If you've listened, listened to this podcast, again, we've had Brandon from Iowa skilled trades on early yep. and we've talked about that. And it's, it's, 
you know, it's this idea that a blue collar isn't interesting. Um, but man, if you start 18 as a plumber electrician, you're going to be making so much more money than your buddies who who are in college for four to six years. If you're like me at six and a half, um, yeah, no student loans and you're going to be killing it. And the industry needs you. You'll be in demand. So, uh, I'm with you on that. We, we've got to get some more attention around that. Maybe we can, we can try to get a consortium together of all, all my builder buddies and we'll, uh, we'll do Game something. On. Yeah. I'm ready. Yep. All right, man. Well, we, it's so good to hear from you guys and hear that la- last year you guys overcame the, the obstacles that everybody had and then you guys are charging forward. So congrats. We super appreciate you as a client. And again, I promise we're going to bring you back on Danielle, our producer here. She's going to schedule you already. We'll bring her back on and let's talk, talk a ton more things because there's a lot to unpack there. I really appreciate it, Paul. It's always great to talk with you, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. Thank you again for tuning in to this episode of The Building Code. Make sure you subscribe and like wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, head out to Facebook and join The Building Code crew. And finally, drop me a line at podcast at buildatrend.com. We want to hear from you, suggestions on guests or topics, anything. Thanks so much for joining and appreciate you.